In this uh, last reading from the Passion narrative, we saw the interaction between Christ and the penitent thief that was dying on the cross. And this, uh, this is often considered to be one of the most unusual stories of conversion that you find anywhere in the Bible. There are just so many details about that encounter that are, are unique. You don't see them anywhere else. But when, when you look at the basics, the basics of what happened with this man, you realize that this man came to salvation the very same way that anyone else does. He, he came to Christ through repentance and faith. Now, now by, by repentance, here's what I mean. This thief on the cross, he saw himself for who he really was. And he was honest about that. He saw who he was, and he was honest. He, he said to his, uh, the other thief, he said, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. Now, you know, when he said that, I, he probably did not mean it is perfectly appropriate for Roman soldiers to crucify us like this. I don't think that's what he meant. Listen, the Romans were hated. They were oppressors. They were colonizers. Their foreign armies had invaded the land of Israel. Um, the, the word that both Matthew and Mark in their Gospels the word they use to describe this man is a word that could be translated rebel, not just a thief, but a rebel, a revolutionary. So it's very possible that this man was part of the resistance movement that was fighting against Rome. So it's, it's unlikely that when he says, we're getting what we deserve, it's unlikely that he meant, I affirm the right of the Roman government to kill me this way. I don't think he meant that. I don't think he meant that. When he said... I am being punished justly. I am receiving what my deeds deserve. I think he was saying, I am a sinner. I'm a sinner in the eyes of God. I deserve wrath. In other words, he was, he was recognizing who he was. And he was being honest about that just owning his guilt before God. Now, did you know that the Bible says that no one ever comes to salvation without making an admission similar to that? We, we saw that in the parable that Jesus told about, about in Luke 18, about the Pharisee and the tax collector. They both go up to the temple. Jesus said that the Pharisee, for all of his good deeds, was not justified before God. Why? Well, because he would not admit his guilt. He wouldn't just be honest about his sin. And, and, and see, the, the, the Bible tells us that all of us are guilty before God. We've all been selfish. We've all been dishonest. We've all been cowardly or unbelieving or unkind. We've, 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 we've all loved other things more than we love God. Romans chapter 3 says this. Romans 3 says there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So what this means is we all stand before God guilty and deserving wrath. And listen to me, until we openly admit that to God, we cannot be saved. 
Year, years ago, I uh, made a phone call to a rehab center on behalf of a friend who was struggling with addiction. And I, they answered the phone and I said, listen, I have a friend and he's addicted and it's getting out of control. It's destroying his life, destroying his family. Can, can we send him to you? Can you help him? Now listen, if you've ever made a phone call like that, you know what they said to me. They said, no, we can't help him. Not, not, as, not as long as you are the one making the call for him. Yes, we treat addiction. Yes, we have open beds in this facility. Yes, we take his kind of insurance. But listen, it, it, until your friend himself says that he needs help, there's no one in the world that can help him. Did you know it, that's the way it is with salvation? Until we, until we ask, until we admit that we need it, no one in the world can help us. God cannot help us. No one can. Now, I, I don't know who's with us today or who's, who's watching on live stream, but may, listen, maybe today you are far from God, and maybe today there are lots and lots of people praying for you. Your mom is praying, your dad is praying, your friends are praying, your, your grandparents are praying, but listen, it's good to have them praying for you, but unless and until you yourself turn to God and just admit your, your need for forgiveness and cry out for mercy, until you do that, you're lost. Now, Isaiah 45, verse 22, God says this, Turn to me, turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. That's his invitation to, to guilty sinners like us. He says, won't you please stop, stop making excuses, stop hiding, stop pretending, stop blaming others. Just admit your guilt, please. Turn to me. So this thief's experience was unusual, but it's, it's like anyone else. For him to find grace from God, first, it involved repentance. Secondly, you'll notice it, it involved faith. This, this man dying on the cross, he expressed faith. You see, not, not, only did, not only did he see himself for who he really was, did you notice he saw Jesus for who Jesus really was? He, he saw the truth about Christ, and he believed. At first, you could say that this man believed. He expressed his trust in Christ's power. He, sa he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Do you realize how amazing it is that he would say that? When, when Jesus said, when, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Listen, Jesus looked like anything but a king. A king? He's hanging on a cross. He's bleeding. He's beaten. He's dying. Everyone's making fun of him. That's not very kingly. And, and when did this man say that to Christ? Uh, one uh, Bible commentator, A.W. Pink, wrote this. He said, It is remarkable that the thief's conversion took place before the supernatural phenomena of that day. He cried, Lord, remember me? Before the hours of darkness, before Jesus cried, it is finished, before the rending of the temple veil, before the quaking of the earth and the shivering of the rocks, before the centurion confessed, this is the Son of God. In other words, before there was any visible evidence at all of Christ's power, this man trusted Jesus is king. He has a kingdom. He will come in power. And here's, here, here's the reason that just... Here's the reason that uh, I, I appreciate that, because listen, 
we're a lot like that thief, right? Just like the thief, we also live at a moment in time where we are not able to see with our physical eyes the power and the glory and kingdom of Jesus. We can't see it right now. And yet, listen, just like the thief, we're, we are called to trust, to trust in what we cannot yet see. We can't yet see that Jesus is the exalted Son of God. We can't yet see that all power and authority has been given to Him. We can't yet see that one day He will return in glory to rule the world. We can't yet see this, just like the thief, and yet just like the thief, we're called to believe. We don't live by sight, right? We live by faith. And here's what encourages me. I just think to myself, you know, because sometimes it is hard to believe. If God could empower that dying thief to, to look at, at, at a bleeding Savior and trust this man has power. If God could do that for that thief, he could do the same for you. He could do the same for me. If you're struggling to believe, you could ask God, couldn't you? God, help me. Help me to believe. So this man first, he believes in Christ's power, but it's more than that. He believes in Christ's mercy. He, he, he believes that Christ will have mercy on him. He says, Jesus, remember me. Now, that's something because he's already admitted that he's guilty, right? He's already admitted that he deserves punishment. It, it, so what does that mean? That means he is not asking for Christ's favor on the basis of his own righteousness. He's just admitted he doesn't have any righteousness. So what's he doing? He's throwing himself into the arm of Jesus and he's trusting in Christ's mercy. Have you ever done that? Here's, here's a question. Question. What happens when people trust in Christ's mercy? Answer. They receive it. It's poured out on them in abundance. Listen. Our Lord Jesus, He is unchanging in His mercy. Amen? He is, listen, His nature, His very nature is love. Isn't it something that Christ, when, when, the, when the, the thief says to Him, Lord, will you remember me? Jesus doesn't say, oh, you want me to remember you, huh? When I come in my kingdom? Well, listen, if you want me to remember you, there's some good works you need to do to prove that you're sincere. I want you to start going to church. I want you to read the Bible. I want you to give to the poor. I want you to start praying. You do these things, and then I'll remember you. Listen, wouldn't that be horrible? How could this man possibly ever do any good works? He's dying. These are the last moments of his life. And yet, isn't this something? Without him, without him doing anything at all that, that, would, that would merit salvation, without him doing anything, Jesus says, truly, I tell you, today, today, not after a thousand years in purgatory, today, you will be with me in paradise. Guys, do you know, isn't this wonderful? The Bible tells us that in Christ, when we trust in him, God's mercy is given to us freely. Isn't that something? Without us doing anything at all to earn it. Ephesians, you know these verses, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, for it is by grace 
that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works. So this account of this dying man on the cross next to Jesus, yeah, this is an unusual story. But the salvation of this thief, this is not unusual at all. This, listen, this has happened hundreds and thousands of times again and again and again since, since that time. Anyone, anyone, and everyone who turns from their sin, admits it openly, trusts in the mercy of Jesus, anyone who does that is welcomed by the Savior into the kingdom. Have you ever done that? If you have, listen, isn't it, isn't it wonderful to know if you've turned from your sin and you've trusted in Christ, isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus, when he comes back or when you go home and, and, and leave this life, in that moment you will be in his presence. He'll just say, welcome. Come into the joy of your master. I've been waiting for you. I love you. Welcome home. Isn't that wonderful? And isn't it wonderful to know that if you've, listen, maybe you've never admitted your sin and turn to Christ in faith. Isn't it wonderful to know you could do that today before this service ends? Turn to Christ, and He would pour out all of His mercy without limit. He would give it to you. Would you pray with me? Father, we are amazed by what a great Savior we have in Jesus. We need a Savior, every one of us. We are broken and sinful, and we can't change that. We can't fix ourselves. We, we admit that to you, and we, and we turn to him with faith and trust in him, and we thank you that as we do this, mercy without limit, love without end, grace without measure, is ours right now. Thank you for this, Father. In Christ's name, amen.